Welcome back to another edition of Burke's Eye View, the podcast. I'm your host, Dave Burkett, Freep.com. Uh, Tony Ortiz sitting to my left, laughing at me as I speak. I was about to cut an intro here, but you know what? We're just going to hop right into the podcast, all right? Uh, it's week 15. Lions are 5-9. and nine. Their season is basically shot. They're coming off that... Uh, uh, another tough loss, a, a loss where they didn't really show up to the St. Louis Rams last week, 21-14, just sort of a blah effort. Uh, New Orleans Saints this week on Monday night, and uh, I'm joined by my colleague Carlos Menares from the Free Press, along with Tony Ortiz, the esteemed sideline reporter for the Lions, and uh, wanted to, uh, to do a little something different this week. I mentioned it on last week's podcast, but this is Tony's 300th game on the sideline. I don't know if it's like Matthew Stafford where they save a ball or something like that and maybe the wrong ball. Maybe it's a, a microphone, some the wrong microphone or something oh. like that that, oh. that Tony will get after he's done. But we just want to get, you know, Carlos, we've had Tony on before, right? I mean, doing oh, yeah. some videos and everything. And, oh, and my professional. Exactly. I, you know, he's, he's you have a face for uh, radio, Carlos. Tony, you have a face for TV. I know you do some TV, mm-hmm. but this is a, an internet medium that I thought we could all sort of share <laughs> with one another and let's just start 300 games man how'd you survive 300 lions games on the sideline well 299 on the sideline and one college bowl right one college bowl game the motor city bowl you know what as tough as it's been watching them go through 0 and 16 and tough as it's been to see them miss the playoffs for most of the time i've been on the sidelines 13 of the 15 years it's a fun job it really is i get to do something that not a lot of people can do i get to watch an nfl game from the sidelines i get to know these guys i get to get up close with these guys and talk to them while the game is going on, sometimes even before. So it's been a lot of fun. And and I will never knock this job. It's it's not been easy at times, but I have never been bored by it in 15 years. What's, never. The, what's the toughest part of being a sideline reporter? What do you do? I think people maybe don't realize. They hear you on the air, you know, come in with an update every now and then. But, but what are you doing on the sideline during a game? Usually I'm watching, if the offense is off the field and they're sitting down talking, I'll hang around the offensive line. I'll watch Jim Bob Cooter with the offense with Matthew Stafford and Dan Orlovsky, or I'll watch uh, Curtis Modkins with the running backs. If the defense comes off the field, I'll go down and watch Chris Kusurik deal with the defensive line, or I'll watch uh, Sheridan, Bill Sheridan with the uh, linebackers. So I just basically wander back and forth between the two benches, and I'm a professional eavesdropper. I'm listening to what they're <laughs> saying. I- I'm watching them. If somebody comes off the field injured, I'm watching the trainers. I'm following that guy while he's injured. So basically that's my job. I eavesdrop. I look. I'm, I'm a professional nosy person, but it seems to pay off in the end. I'll tell you what Tony really does. When they're playing in Green Bay in December, he's – He's shouldering players out of the way to get closer to the warming vents. That's how he survives. Wait, too. In a professional eavesdropper, Carlos, we've got to be careful with our conversations. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know, I know. You, you can, someone's always listening. That's, that is that's true. true. That's yeah. the one thing you've learned in this job. Everybody's listening. And and everybody's always right. listening. You're always giving us injury updates yeah. and that kind of stuff. And that's, you're, the, you're, you're really the, the ears of the game. You know, when, when Dan Miller steals your updates and stuff, I mean, that's <laughs> feeding them to him. And, What's going on? Thank you for noticing that Dan does steal a lot yeah, of my exactly. stuff. Thank you very this much. This is the man who's really doing work down there. <laughs> exactly. I, I tag Tony on, on yes, tweets when he says yeah, things yeah. on the yes, sideline, when do. he drops little nuggets on the sideline. So, um, All right. Now, how did you get into being a sideline reporter, Tony? I came back from Houston. I worked seven years in Houston from 94 to 2000. Came back after I was fired in Houston. And I was just looking to catch on someplace to, to work. And I had worked previously at WWJ. And got rehired there. And at the same time I got there, Joe Donovan, who was doing sidelines the year before I was, decided he didn't want to do them anymore. That left that job open. And I will always be grateful for Mark Champion because Mark Champion opened the door, 
got me reconnected with the Lions. And I had produced games for three years, so a lot of people here knew who I was. And once I expressed an interest in the job, there were a couple other candidates, but I beat out those candidates, and I became the sideline reporter. And Mark, for those who don't know, did the Lions games before Correct. Dan and Brandy and the esteemed group that you work with now. Yep, exactly. And I will always be forever grateful for him standing up for me and putting his neck out on the line for me. Even after he left the Lions and even after he's gone on to the Pistons, Mark has remained one of my yeah. favorite people in the world, right. one of my good friends. I mentioned it. Carlos has a face for radio. Mm-hmm. So... I want you to give this young man right here. Now, you guys cut a segment for this weekend's show, for Monday night's show earlier today. Uh, can you give me a little uh, – give him some advice. Not me. Give him some advice. So because – I don't want him to take your job by oh, any means. But uh, we got to do something, right? Face for radio. I need him doing sideline on the radio somewhere. Give him some advice. Listen, Carlos, Carlos just simply needs to keep his emotions in check. <laughs> After reading his column this week about Jim Caldwell, Carlos just needs to simply keep his emotions in check. Otherwise, that Carlos has got a good voice for radio. And you know what? He gives out good information. You'd be a very good sideline reporter as well, Dave, because you give out good information. You've got a good voice for it. And you know what? You're a reporter, so you know what the facts are about when you're doing the sidelines. You know that's important because you don't have time. You have 15, 20 seconds to get out your point. So you can't give opinions. You've got to get the facts in and out. You'd be good at that. No, Dave would be terrible because... He laughs way too much. Anytime anybody says the shortened version of the word football, Dave cannot yeah. contain his laugh. Foot? But yes, foot. Whenever somebody says foot, you can't keep a straight I, face. I blame Jim Bob Cooter for that. Well, that's one of my weaknesses as well because, unfortunately, as I do updates in the morning and as I'm doing stuff for the pregame, I have to be very careful how I phrase Jim Bob Cooter, because there are certain ways to phrase it where if you put certain words together, it comes out really, really dirty. See, I don't know about the uh, the whole professional eavesdropper thing. I guess, uh, and you're right, Carlos, maybe we should be wary that people are always listening, sweep this place in Allen Park for bugs every once in a while, but I don't know. Could I do that? Could I be a, a professional eavesdropper like Tony You said? could. Here's the two things you have to learn. Number one, you, again, have to get it out quickly. 15, 20, 25 seconds at most. you got to get the information out. Number two, you got to put up with the weather. And I know I've gotten a reputation. I've gotten a reputation for this, but it's fine in October and November when it's moderate. But in September, you have to go to places like Miami and Tampa oh, wow. Bay. wow. That sounds so difficult. And in December and January, you have to go to places like Green Bay and Chicago. It gets tough. Carlos, could you take a trip to San Diego in September uh-huh. or Miami in September? Uh-huh. It could be 80 degrees, 90 degrees there. You know, I've heard the humidity goes as high as like 60% sometimes. I think it'd be hard. I don't know tough. if I... Yeah, yeah tough, tough job. For Listen, hand, they do make hand warmers. you wear that for the I, cold days? I could possibly. I would just I would just shoulder the players out you know of the way. And, <laughs> I actually gave Tony the yes, Super Bowl a couple years ago in New York. They handed out media hand warmers. I brought them back. This is how much I respect Tony. I was thinking of him when we got that media gift. I brought them back and gave them to him the next year for a trip to Green Bay or Chicago. They probably didn't work by the time he, he got Oh, no, they work. No, I used them. They work just fine. You want to know when I used them? Seriously? I used them last year in Green Bay. Last game of the season, I used them. Wow. And they worked nicely. In fact, I think I put yours in my shoes. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me, but you know what? Uh, Burks, I view the podcast here with Tony Ortiz, line sideline reporter, coming up on his 300th game on the sideline here this week against the New Orleans Saints. And Carlos Menares, my, my colleague from the Free Press, who wrote a a uh, very popular column on Freep.com this week about Jim Caldwell and his future. Um, uh, Tony, look, 
what's your favorite stadium? You were talking about Green Bay. I, Carlos, I sent him a text earlier this week, and I just said, it's 70 degrees in Green Bay, or maybe yeah. it was last week, 60 degrees, whatever it was, <laughs> and this is the one year the Lions don't get to go to, to Green Bay in December. So what's tell me your, your favorite stadium experience. How, what stadiums are good for sideline reporters? I have three stadiums that I think are great for sideline reporters and just great for what you have to do. Believe it or not, Lambeau Field, because of all the history that's there, because of the Packers. Oh, stop, stop, stop. Yeah. Kurt, did, you, did he just complain about Lambeau Field? Too cold in the winter? Am I yes, right? of course. Yes. <laughs> so now It's cold, but it's a great place to watch a game. The fans oh, okay. are interactive with you. It's a lot of fun. And there's that history. You know, you're on Lambeau Field, the frozen tundra, Lombardi and Holmgren and Favre, and you get that. Joe Lombardi. I'd swear. <laughs> no, no, you're right. That's a wonderful stadium. All right, go ahead. Beyond Lambeau. Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City is great. I've Never only been, been there twice. I've only been there twice, but both times the fans are incredibly loud. It's almost like a college stadium. It's like being in East Lansing or in Ann Arbor on game day. That's how intense the fans are, and they love their team. You will see very little opposing team jerseys in Arrowhead. It's always red. It's a sea of red. The other place I love is Three Rivers Stadium. Well, Actually, Heinz Field, excuse me, I had this name wrong. See, that's what happens. They all get mixed together. But Heinz Field is great. It has that open view to the yep. river. Steeler fans are great. And growing up, my mom was born in West Virginia. She was a huge Steelers fan. So every chance I get to get back there, it's kind of like, hey, Mom, I finally made it. I'm here in Pittsburgh. So that's those are my three favorite stadiums. Uh, Carlos, you got any favorite stadiums across the league that you've uh... – You've been to. I know you filled in at Carolina for me last year. That's got to hold a special place in <laughs> Had a baby last year. My wife did actually, but uh, not me. I don't, that'd be impossible. But Carlos was out there, brought me back a nice little Carolina Panthers onesie for the little man. So nice. Carolina. Carolina was unimpressive. You know, I think there were the the fans. I felt were very too laid back. You know, and they had that whole thing with the Packers country sign that Cam yep. tore down. But they didn't seem like fervent. Fans, you know, no. very very laid back. Um, it was a pain in the butt getting into the stadium. It was it's all downtown Charlotte? Yep, and it's just it's just kind of a mess. It's it's hard to get around there. No. Not well organized. Um, Plus, but, they don't like dabbing, right? They they get mad when no. Cam flexes and does his dancing and everything. So I wish, man, I wish this was being broadcast right now. Tony just danced in this room that, in our makeshift studios here in Allen Park. I wish I had video of that. No, one. you'll never see that ever again. But thank you. All right, your worst stadiums. Give me your the, the worst experiences. Not stadiums, maybe the worst experience you've had on the sideline, whether it's cold or rain or wind. What, what makes that a miserable experience for you? It, the weather can make it miserable just simply because a couple of years ago there was a preseason game in Pittsburgh. It rained the entire first half. They had to hold the game up just before halftime because thunder and lightning rolled through. In that game, I got soaked all the way through the skin, even down to my underwear. That'll really help the podcast numbers there. <laughs> all right, but let's cut it. I was able to yeah. change clothes and get out there. But... Wet weather, I hate it. You know Absolutely what? Let's, Carlos, let's just me and you talk. When Tony starts talking about his wet underwear on our podcast here, that makes me want to go in a different direction. Uh, I'm sorry. Another stadium I hate is Oakland. That place is an absolute pit. It, it's small to work in. Uh, the fans are nasty. I've had batteries thrown at me there. Of course, standing next to Dominic Rayola probably didn't help, but I've had batteries thrown at me there. It, it's just a terrible, nasty stadium. If they move to L.A., there's a reason for it. It's because that stadium just hey, was awful. You're right. Oakland is a bad stadium. San Diego, that's a bad stadium. Yeah. Miami, that's another bad stadium. Some yeah. of these, some of these, these. 
places. The older stadiums are the, the worst ones. But you've had batteries thrown at you. Mm-hmm. What, what else have you had happen on the sideline? You ever, I don't know, had Gatorade dumped on you, or you know, a guy sometimes he'll pee on the sideline with guys <laughs> shielding him with towels. You ever been peed on? What, what's um, the worst thing that's happened to you in, uh, doing the sideline here for for two hundred? You know games? what? The worst thing that ever happened to me was getting run into by Javid Best, and this was a couple of years Did you ago. Cuss him? No, I didn't concuss him, but he he was getting knocked out of the field of play, and he ran into me, literally rolled right up on my leg, and I thought, oh, this is really going to hurt. And it hurt for a couple of minutes, and then I was fine, and then I happened to look, and I thought, what happens if Javid gets hurt running into me? Oh, God, I'm not going to be able to live that down. But he was fine as well, so, but that was the worst thing to happen. I had a friend of mine who was doing sidelines in San Francisco a couple of years ago. He got rolled into when a guy scored a touchdown, almost broke his leg. So I consider myself lucky that, you know, at least through 300 games, nobody's rolled into me and nearly killed me. People don't, uh, you know, give us enough credit for the hazards that we deal with in our job. <laughs> that, you saw the reporter in Iowa who got uh, broke his leg oh, yeah. when he stormed the court the other day. I think we should get danger pay, hazard pay. Oh, I agree. Wholeheartedly. But yeah. you know what? Dan Miller and Jim Brandstatter, no sympathy for me whatsoever. Rain, snow, getting rolled up on by players. They're in their nice, warm, comfortable studio booth. They're great. I get nothing. No sympathy from them at all. I, I complain I about the weather. They talk about me all the time. A couple of years ago when they were playing in Lambeau, yeah. when the Lions were, and Ricardo Silver and some of those guys took off their shirts during one. Yes. Did you take your shirt off no. before, the, before the pregame? No. Ricardo, why are you trying to put these visions in our podcast? <laughs> 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 I, I, I have to follow up. As a no, 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 no. No, listen. If anything, I put more clothes on after ah. seeing them take their shirts off. There's <laughs> no way I'm taking off anything in Lambeau Field when it was that cold. What's, no. the, what's the craziest thing you've seen? The streaker. Cleveland, a couple of years ago in the preseason, there was a streaker. Came no, out notice of the how stands. this all comes back to <laughs> I know it does. There's a theme here. I'm not like sure it. what this, but you asked me the strangest. <laughs> but the guy ran out and he ran. It was he was about 20 feet from me when he actually ran onto the field. I had never seen a streaker in my life, and the guy just kind of went onto the field and stopped playing. Joyke Bell, by the way, knocked him down to help out security. So I remember that. Security guard. Yeah, yeah, former security guard doing some security. So <laughs> made a that's, naked tackle. Yep, or that a tackle was, on a naked dude. And something. believe me, he got made fun of the whole time in the locker room about that. So, But that was the strangest thing I've ever seen on the field. <laughs> do you get uh, – you, you travel with the team. Mm-hmm. So do you when you leave a stadium, a road stadium, do you get the meals that they get? Yes. Uh, what is it? Tell yes. us. Look, oh, Carlos, for those exactly who don't know, I, this is why I brought it up. Carlos, right, he's the biggest in and out fan in the yes. world, right? Yes. So it, he would buy a franchise if he didn't work on a reporter's salary and <laughs> live in Michigan. They don't have in and out in Michigan, sell I guess. Franchises, by the way. Oh. Sorry, no, wrong. here's the thing. We've had in and out before on the airplane. Uh, when Sean Hill was the backup quarterback to Matthew Stafford, Whenever the Lions would go to California or to Colorado, Hill would buy a number of burgers and they'd be on the plane. So literally as you came onto the plane, there are In-N-Out burgers sitting right there. (laughs) The food coming out of stadiums after road games is absolutely phenomenal. I'll give you an example. St. Louis, fresh brisket, barbecue brisket. Uh, You had french fries as a side dish. It was marvelous. I didn't eat any because I knew I had food waiting for me at home. But if you're... In New Orleans, Monday night, after the game, I will eat because I know I'm not going to get any food when I get home. It's going to be 3 o'clock in the morning. But that's the food is phenomenal. They'll have something Cajun-fied in New Orleans, which will be great. Didn't I? I think I heard Jennifer Hammond saying she was coming back from a trip, and mm-hmm. they had filet mignon and lobster as no, options. No. no, no filet mignon or lobster, but the food is really good. 
well, I'll just stick to my room service <laughs> get my filet or chocolate cake. Do they have chocolate cake ever on the plane? Uh, chocolate cake, apple pie, there's been on the I'm plane. In. There's, huh? You're I'm in? in then, yeah. Oh, wait, you haven't heard the best. There's ice cream. The, the flight attendant will come up and down the aisles with Hagen dazs ice cream bars. And they are really good if you want ice cream. Also, at some point, there's also the candy tray, which is uh, candy bars, gummy bears, <laughs> Twizzlers, whatever you'd like, it's on that tray. But I'm sure uh, did did that candy person get past Nick Fairley whenever she <laughs> last year? So, would it just stop there? The little the little hey, cart Nick stops. is 280 now. Yeah, Nick is slimmed down. Nick last slimmed, year, well, that's why he slimmed down. No more can people bringing candy up and down the aisles. By, by the way, I have to I have to explain something to the people, yeah. good people on the podcast. Is uh, for those who don't know, if you want to know what Dave Briquet eats on the road every <laughs> single time, steak and chocolate cake. They could have you could have Wolfgang Puck personally cooking for him, you know, tableside or whatever, and he'd go for steak and chocolate cake every time. What's wrong with that? I don't have a problem. There's with no it. variety. You're going to, you're going to New Orleans, which we both agree it's kind of a little overrated for food. Dave and I agree. With food's, that. A, food's okay. Food's good, but it's all Cajun, so it's, I'm it's okay with that. I'm I can do a very okay with that. But you're not going to eat any of it. You're probably right. I'll pro- <laughs> well, I get, I'm getting in late Sunday this week, so I probably. I don't know that I'll even eat dinner. I'll have something. Maybe I'll have a New Orleans-style meal Monday. But, yeah, Carlos is right. Typically, <laughs> in fact, I've told my boss this. You would probably be able to tell if I ever lied at my expenses because it's the same thing every week. I'm getting a steak, some chocolate cake, maybe some soup. That's one day. Maybe I'll get a hamburger another day. Every once in a while, I'm mixing some chicken. No vegetables. If you ever see a salad on there, you know it's not my receipt. Yeah, I'm allergic to vegetables. Adding the account if you see any kind of vegetable on there. Yeah. Caesar salad. Chicken Caesar salad for me is the usual dish for me on the road. I will try to stay with that. Every once in a while, I will vary. But for the most part, it'll be chicken Caesar salad on the road. You said the S word. That's not allowed here on the podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> By the way, to, to the other – I don't think you've ever done – you should do this with a beat writer or someone else because – 90% of what we talk about in the media room is travel plans yep. and what we eat on the road and where to eat and when. And, and everybody ends up at separate Applebee's anyway, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> That's not true. All right, look, uh, the last time we, we we did a long podcast here on the phone, it uh, got interrupted by a phone call because I forgot to shut off, <laughs> turn my phone in airplane mode, and I did it again here today. So hopefully we don't get interrupted. A. B, when it got over 20 minutes, it was impossible for me to sense. We're closing in on the 20-minute mark now. Uh, but I did want to ask you before yeah. we left, you're a big comic book guy, mm-hmm. a big Star Wars guy. Star Wars comes out this week. How much are you looking forward to seeing the movie? I'm looking forward to it a lot. The early reviews have been great, but look, being a Star Wars fan, and my son really wants to see it as well, but being a big Star Wars fan, it's nice to finally get J.J. Abrams doing the movies. He's a huge Star Wars guy, loves it. And I'm looking forward to a good Star Wars movie. It's been a long time since there's been a really good Star Wars movie, and I'm just hoping this is that movie. Carlos, you're going to see it too, right? Oh, yeah. We're seeing it on Sunday. I've got two two kids, 11-year-old daughters, and we're... We're planning to see it. I've been a big Star Wars fan my whole life, and uh, so you want to ask my favorite character? I'd be I would be Mace Windu. I've always liked Mace. He's kind of a butt kicker, purple lightsaber, smart. One of the- I got to be honest. I did not know who Mace Windu was until I asked Amir Abdullah and Zach Zenner about Star Wars the other day, and Sam one Jackson. or both of them said it, and I was like, I had to look it up. I was googling it. I, I checked out the wiki page for, <laughs> for Star Wars, and I was like, now which one did they say? Oh, this guy right here, yeah. Mace Windu. I did mention the purple lightsaber though. I'd be Han Solo if Han Solo. I was being a Star Wars character. I'd just be that that rugged adventurous guy who, by the way, flies one of the coolest ships I've ever seen on film, the Millennium Falcon. I would kill to get behind the wheel of that thing. I'd be Chewbacca. 
I don't even know why. You don't even know who that is. Do you know? R2-D2. Could I be R2-D2? Well, he's still around? He's still sliding down the scale. You should have stuck with Chewbacca. Chewbacca. I think you'd be be Jabba the Hutt. Jabba? (laughs) Yoda. I would be Yoda. You'd be an enterprising, like, kind of guy who eats a bunch of junk. Hold on. I think Dave would be a good Yoda. Yoda. No, Yoda's yes. way too smart and wise. Oh, wow. No, no, no. Okay, smart, I'll give you smart, but not wise. Dave would be a good Yoda. <laughs> and he's patient. That would be Dave. Dave's That's, not patient. Well, Dave's patient. Depends. Yeah. I'm not patient now. We're running out of time here on the podcast. For Carlos Menares and Tony Ortiz, I'm Dave Burkett. This is Burke's Eye View. Thanks, as always, Thanks, for listening guys. here on Freep.com and downloading on iTunes. And uh, we'll probably be off next week because of the Christmas holiday. But this is Tony's 300th game, so let's everybody celebrate with him uh, this week. Congratulations, Tony. Thank a little you. bit of a milestone. We'll get you something to commemorate other than an appearance here on Freep.com. Thanks, guys.